Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about pre-emerge wheat herbicides and it's pretty interesting. A lot of stuff starting to happen out in fields now in different parts of the country. Hey, even in the north we're warming up after coming through a, a decent cold spell there and it won't be long. We'll be back out in the fields. I know Brian... We were just talking the last few days here about how soon it'll be that a sprayer will be out in our field. So that's that's pretty exciting. I mean, spring is officially well, about here. Well, we're spraying today. I, I mean, we say it all the time, but March is a fantastic month to spray in our geography when the ground is hard in the mornings, yet it's thawing in the afternoons. Works out great because when it thaws in the afternoon, then the herbicide can attach itself to soil, stays put then, works great. So not only do you spread your workload out, but the other side of it is you actually get the herbicide to work better. With pre-emerge herbicides, they need rain. And we're going to talk today about pre-emerge wheat herbicides. But pre-emerge herbicides have to have rain unless, of course, you're going to work them in and you've got plenty of soil moisture. But number one, we don't have plenty of soil moisture right now. And number two, they're saying like 70% chance of below normal precip for this year. So if you're not going to work that herbicide in, you need to get it out there earlier if you want better odds to have it work well. So I'll just put it to you this way. When the ground is frozen in the mornings, thawing in the afternoons, what other field work are you going to do right now? Nothing. So go spray. Works fantastically well. Now, I would say this. We also have urea to spread. We're not going to spread urea in these kind of conditions. No way. Because we know we have to work that urea in within about two days. Otherwise, you run the risk of starting to lose that nitrogen up in the air. And we don't want to do that. But what I am saying here is you can get out spraying early. You for anything that is going to need to be tilled in, well, then obviously you got to wait until the ground is fit to till. And we're probably in our geography three to four weeks away from that. But right now is the perfect time to do some pre spraying. All right, uh, I think we are going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag right away here. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, got this one from Brett in north northwest central iowa there we go that was that was painful uh, iowa uh, brett from was, iowa go gonna, ahead i was gonna say northwest, oh my but, goodness oh my gosh it's a little uh, more descriptive than that sorry about that brett all right he said i got i got 500 acres of soybeans heavy ground 30 plus exchange capacity and I'm, I'm thinking about the three pre's for soybeans now i heard for around 12 dollars an acre you can get the three pre's, including trifluralin as the yellow. Yep. But got down 20 plus uh, if I went name brand on some of the other things. Can you tell me what rates you're looking at and some current pricing that I should be able to get roughly? What I heard was generic val- valor for $8.25 an acre. Uh well, it all depends on the rate. Metribuzin for five seventy-two an acre, and then the trifluralin for six thirty-five. Yeah. So if we don't have rates, then it's really hard to say. I will tell you what we typically recommend and what the cost should be. So we just did an Ag PhD soybean agronomy workshop back about a month ago, and I'll pull up right from let's see the slide that I used there. Okay. So authority or valor should cost you in the range of four to six dollars i mean yes there's generic value oh and that's using the 
two-ounce rate of valor or an equivalent rate of authority, but four to six bucks there. So if you're running three ounces of valor, then I could see that it ends up costing quite a bit, but I mean, two ounces of valor should be down in that four to six dollar range. The yellow trifluralin for a pint and a half. We don't recommend two pints hardly ever because we worry about carryover to corn the next year. So we use one and a half pints of trifluralin should cost you about four bucks. The trizine or metribuzin for a third of a pound. So as long as your soil pH is under seven four, we'd use a third of we'd recommend a third of a pound. That's going to cost about four bucks. If you have some pH pHs above seven four, and by the way, if you're if you say, well, boy, I don't know, it's borderline. If it's ever borderline, you got to go low. And then typically we're going a sixth of a pound and that costs about two bucks. So the way I look at it is if you've got low pH soil, anything below 7.4, you're going to spend about 12 bucks, uh, maybe 14. And if you have high pH, then you're going to spend in that 10 to $12 range. All right. Well, thank you very much, Brett. Really appreciate the question. Get this one from Levi. He said, during the high, during the corn agronomy workshop, you mentioned using manganese in furrow and how it boosted your corn yields. I got a few questions for you about the manganese. Just wondering if the soil had adequate manganese levels and you were trying to overcome a tie-up issue. Uh, wondering if there's a pH range where you'd want to apply manganese regardless of what the soil test showed. Also wondering how much you guys applied and... On a scientific level, what is the manganese doing for the crop that helped it yield more? Okay, so first of all, I would just say you need to test. Every farmer needs to test for manganese in their soil. Manganese is incredibly important for a number of different things in the plant. It has a lot to do with the stock health and stock strength of the plant. It has a lot to do with early emergence and vigor. And there are a number of other things you can look them up. But, I, I mean, we can talk a long time about the importance of manganese. And, by the way, I'm not saying magnesium. Magnesium is a secondary nutrient. Manganese that we're talking about here MN is the symbol, the chemical symbol for that, and manganese is a micronutrient. But anyway, what we have gone to is putting maybe a quart in furrow. We, you, you can certainly go a little higher than that if you want to, but our, our challenge is a couple of things. Number one, we've got some pHs that are above seven, which start to limit the uptake of manganese and start to mean a little bit more on tie-up issues. Number two, manganese sulfate's really expensive. So if I want to fix my whole soil, which I don't mind if we own the ground, but if we're renting the ground, there's no possible chance I'm doing that because it costs too much money unless I have some long-term lease. So to get by in the short term, we're doing some foliar feeding, we're doing some, a little bit in furrow, and that usually has been helping us. So anyway, something at least for you to try. Well, stay tuned. We're going to get to the phone lines and talk pre-emerge wheat herbicides right after this. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Credit Extreme, the herbicide with dual salt technology that makes all the difference. Faster uptake, quicker rain fastness, and better control in variable weather, something we've all had our fair share of. When you need more powerful weed control for challenges like lamb's quarters and velvet leaf, with excellent safety to round up ready crops, you need Credit Extreme. New Farm and Credit Extreme, here to help. Precision crop nutrition pays. 
and AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Excited to talk about the pre-emerge herbicide options for wheat and also to take your calls and agronomic questions. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Start off with Curtis Rainbolt with BASF, talking a little pre-wheat herbicide. Curtis, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for letting me join you today. You know, there's so many things to, to think about in wheat. And I remember when we were kids and we were raising wheat and maybe it was, well, we might spray a little 2,4-D out there if we see some broadleaf weed popping through. That was about all we did other than fertility. Now we've got great seed treatments. We've got pre-emerge herbicides, post-emerge herbicides, like lots of choices, tons of different fungicides we can use to keep the crop healthy. It's no wonder that we're seeing the kind of wheat yields that we are in some areas around the country. Yeah, I grew up on a wheat farm as, as well, and it's it's amazing how much has changed over the years. There's lots of lots more tools, and, and, and in many cases, that's really important from the herbicide standpoint, you know, when we think about resistance and some of the things that have been selected for. And, um, you know, Zidua is one of the newer ones in the market. That's that's our best offering from a pre-emergence standpoint in wheat, uh, but it, it certainly uh, brings some new things to the table. We get a lot of questions about Zidua, and this has been really fun because I remember when Brian and I first started talking about pre-emerge wheat herbicides, and we were met with a lot of resistance, Curtis, as you can imagine. That guys are like, "Ah, I don't know, you know, we're we're doing okay, and I don't think it's hurting us that bad." But you're right; when we've got grasses that we can't control with the two modes of action that are the only two we can use post-emerge, well, we're looking for something pre, and Zidua is pretty exciting. Just that Group 15 mode of action we haven't had that before in wheat so there there's some different weeds that we can control talk to us about how to get the most out of this the first thing i'd say is the timing we get so many questions curtis about when exactly should i spray it so i'll ask that first yeah so it does depend on on where you're at so i'm in the pacific northwest and so we're fortunate in in fall seeded wheat that we do have a a true pre um label but for most other people they're going to 
to need to follow that delayed pre-emergence use pattern and or they could go early post and and when we're dealing with those grass weeds i think a lot of them are going to come up with the crop if there's moisture there so hitting that delayed pre-emergence timing uh you know when when we've got that wheat germinated 80 percent of it i got that radical that's that's really what we're shooting for is an ideal application time. And I realize every field's got some variability, but you want to hit it when most of your field is in that growth stage. All right. So talk to us about the specific grasses that, that you're seeing improvements on control. We, we talked to growers, you're right, in different parts of the country, there may be some other things that they're looking at, but it, it has really fit the spectrum that, that a lot of areas have in wheat. Yeah, in my area, it's really, it's been helpful. I, I think we started out looking, focusing on some of the smaller seeded grass weeds, like Italian ryegrass, which we certainly have resistance challenges in, uh, and another one called rat tail fescue. But I, I think where we've been able to help on the most acres is is uh, downy brome. Um, we don't get 100% control of downy brome, but it, it's, and it is a mindset change to have that kind of setup program. But uh, particularly in fall wheat, we get it out there. Uh, we can really reduce that downy brome pressure. Um, and then the few that do survive and come up typically are smaller and weaker. So our post-emergence options in the spring are, are more effective than they would have been on their own. You know what, Curtis, that's a great point, that even if it doesn't completely wipe out all the weeds, when you dig up those weeds and look at the root system that's left, a lot of times there may be one straggly little root there that doesn't amount to much. I have to imagine the competition from those weeds probably isn't nearly as much as, as a nice thick stand with healthy roots. I think you're exactly right. And that's, that's what we've seen over and over again. You may miss a few of them, but they're greatly weakened. Um, they're not going to put on the same number of tillers, produce the same number of seed. And, and in many cases, if they were, you know, in case of group two, somewhat tolerant, um, you, you hit them with that, you set them back even more. And um, yeah, you really, really could do a pretty good job. Well, it's exciting. We've got this mode of action now in wheat. Uh, the product that we're talking about here is Zidua. It's a group 15, which if you're used to all oh, my choices are all group one or group two, nope, you got another choice and it really fits on some of these tough grasses. Curtis, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck to you heading into the spring here. Thanks, you too. Got Kirk Sager with us right now with FMC. Kirk, how are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on today, guys. You bet. You know, when we look at pre-emerge wheat options, it is fun to have some different things to look at. I think about the broadleaf weeds as well, and we were talking with Curtis Rainbow with BSF about uh, the the Group 15 herbicide Zidua that they're marketing, and you've got uh, a, a version of a Group 15 herbicide here too. We talked about the grasses. I do think that we're getting a lot of help on small-seeded broadleafs too, that everybody's focused on the grass, and rightly so. That's the toughest thing to take out wheat, but I don't think we can sell it short that we're going to get a lot of help on those broadleaves too. We do get a lot of help on the broadleaves, and you're right, it is an undersung benefit of Anthem Flex in small grains is getting that uh, either the control or the really heavy suppression of those broadleaves, so to create a better window of application for our post-emerge products just makes that decision easier, and uh, 
and really takes the pressure off our post materials. Yeah, I know we, Brian and I talk about it often that our dad would say that, that he could actually sleep better at night knowing that, hey, I've taken out most of the weeds already. So it's not so critical that I got to be there at exactly the right time. Now, this isn't saying you can be lazy and you don't have to go back and spray post because you're still going to have to spray post for something, I'm sure. But at least if you can take out a a lion's share of the weeds, we're going to be in good shape. So talk to us about Anthem Flex then. What do you look for for kind of a length of control and for growth? that are saying, okay, I'm going to put this down and I'm going to plan on a post-emerge herbicide, including a grass herbicide. How would you time that out? Are you spraying that a month later or, or what are you doing on a spring application of Anthem Flex? So with Anthem Flex um, and the trouble, when we look at the grassy weeds and the broadleaf weeds, um, it's a soil residual that needs moisture to activate. And one of those, those conundrums we get into with spring is everything's wet and something's coming all the time. So what we found is the earlier we can get it on, the better. If you can get it on a month before planting wheat um, with a minimal disturbance uh, drill, we tend to be able to catch a rain and get that control out of the gate. Um, Instead of, say, if we wait until do a post-plant pre-emerge or a delayed pre, what happens if we don't get a rain for a month? That ground's wet, those weeds are germinating, they're coming up, and we have not had a rain to, to activate it yet. So my opinion is we need to be out earlier rather than later, especially on a spring crop when Mother Nature can turn the spigot off in a heartbeat. Yeah, you definitely got to watch the label, and, and depending on where you're at, follow that for your area. But you're right. When we're looking at that Group 15 mode of action, we're really excited about that, excited about having a different choice. But it does need moisture to get started. Now, it's not like it needs uh, 10 inches of rain or something like that, but it definitely needs a good soaking to, to get working 100% and, and do the best job on those weeds. So you certainly have to plan accordingly for that. Now, you've got a couple different things in, in the Anthem Flex, and, and you mentioned uh, having that kick on broadleaves. I, I kind of like having that extra boost on broadleaves, too. Well, and especially in a spring application, um, when we're looking at putting it in with our burn down, um, with the uh, that three and a half to four and a half ounce rate, you're getting a, a nice half ounce plus of aim in with that application, which really helps on your kochia and helps you round up out on all the rest, the remainder of your broadleaf weeds. Yeah, definitely something to think about there. The aim's got a lot of kick. If uh, if you're listening, you haven't used aim before. That one's pretty hot, and it, it is a real nice burn down aid that isn't going to have. Uh, crop rotational concerns or anything like that. So that's that's kind of a nice little added feature there too. And we're talking with Kirk Sager with FMC. Kirk, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on and good luck heading into the spring. Thank you very much. Yeah, spring's coming pretty quick. And if you're going to be putting some wheat in, that's why we're talking about this pre-emerge herbicide for wheat topic today. There are some choices that you've got, which is fun when you have multiple options you can do. We'll talk about another option that we haven't mentioned yet and kind of focus in on some of the broadleaves. I know we've got some growers that say, man, talk more about resistant kochia and what are some things we can do to try and hold that back. We'll have a good choice for you here coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. 
Mycoapply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about Mycoapply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It's about time. Time for unprecedented season-long foliar disease protection. Formulated for a convenient at-plant application, new first-of-their-kind Inferro Zyway brand fungicides deliver complete inside-out protection from day one. From root to tassel, stalk to leaf. From planting through harvest. The active ingredient, Flutriophol, moves from the soil through your plants as your corn grows. Change the way you approach foliar disease protection from the start with first-of-their-kind Inferro Zyway 3D and Zyway LFR fungicides, available only from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides qualify for the exclusive agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today, talking about pre-emerge wheat herbicides. Brian, we had all this focus on grass. We really didn't even get into the best broadleaf option out there. That's really fantastic. Other than the price, the price might be a little high for some guys, but man, it sure is a nice herbicide. Okay, so what Darren's talking about here is Sharpen from BSF, and yeah, Sharpen is amazing on broadleaves. And it has good burn down. So it's a double win there. The only thing, to Darren's point, I mean, it costs some money, but two ounces of Sharpen isn't that bad. It's somewhere around nine bucks an acre. Now, I realize if you're used to spending a grand total of $3 on herbicide for your wheat, you're going to go, what? $9? Come on. Well, look, Sharpen's going to wipe out, I mean, all of your early season kochia, water hemp, ragweed, 
Mare's Tale, you name it, gone. It's it is really good on almost all broadleaves. It's going to give you at that two ounce rate, probably one to two months residual, just depends on rain and other factors, but it's outstanding. So every once in a while, we will run into somebody who says, kosher, especially in wheat. They'll say, oh, I'm really worried about kosher. I got so much kosher. I'm like, what are you talking about? Sharpen, sharpen, sharpen. You start with sharpen, your kosher is gone. So kosher is no problem in wheat. Anyway, uh, I, I would just say that is outstanding. Now, if you want to go with something that's going to give you some broadleaf activity and going to be better on grass, the other product we didn't talk about is Prepare. Prepare is the same thing as Everest 3.0, just without the post-emerge wheat safener that they like to have in there on Everest 3.0. So uh, same chemical mode of action. I mean, it is the same base product, really, same active ingredient as Everest 3.0. But anyway, we really like Prepare, and I also really like the price. So if you're talking lower pHs, anything below 7, I'm fine going with the standard rate of 0.3 ounces. It's going to cost you around $4 an acre at all, is all. Now, if you have high pH ground, there have been a lot of farmers who've been using a reduced rate using like 0.2 ounces for two and a half bucks an acre maybe. I mean, it's dirt cheap. The only big disadvantage we see is prepares an ALS herbicide. So obviously it's not going to kill any ALS resistant weeds like kochia, water hemp, and in some cases ragweed and mare's tail. But for a lot of the winter annuals you deal with, I mean, they're just a lot of the weeds you deal with in wheat, Prepare's going to do an excellent job. Now, the nice thing about Zidua that Curtis was talking about in our last segment, Zidua is a group 15. So you don't have to worry about ALS-resistant grass, ACCase-resistant grass. You've got a different mode of action. The group 15s we use very commonly in corn and now quite a bit in soybeans as well. So... It's not like this group never gets used, but it's it's good. It's just you got to understand that the group 15s have no burndown activity at all, whereas Sharpen and Prepare have excellent burndown activity. So what I'm saying is if a weed is emerged, uh, Zidua is not going to kill that thing. So where, where you need Zidua is in the ground, get a rain on it, and then it's going to start working on weeds before they've come out of the ground. Also, there's Anthem Flex, which is a combination of the active ingredient found in Zidua along with AIM that's a PPO. So the AIM gives you burndown activity on grass. And I don't care if we're talking Zidua or Anthem Flex. It's early post or very late pre. You got to wait until you seed the wheat. You got to wait till the wheat germinates and then you go spray that. So that's the timing on that. So those are really the three choices we talk about all the time. It's sharpen for broadleaves, prepare that's okay on broadleaves, uh, pretty decent on grass, but really cheap. And then you've got the either Zidua or Anthem Flex. I put those in one boat because they both have Zidua in there or that active ingredient. So Zidua or Anthem Flex, very late pre or real early post. It's about all I got. It's really pretty simple. If you want to use a pre-emerge weed cut, herbicide. It's cut and dry. You've got the group 15 options like Zidua or Anthem Flex. You've got cheap, which would be prepare. And you've got, which which is a good option. Don't don't let me sell it's you wrong. It's a great option. It's, it's, it's a good option and it's very inexpensive. So if you haven't done a pre before, that's a great one to start with. And then you get Sharpen, which is fantastic on broadleaf. So you get some decent options there. Yeah. Now, the biggest thing that's out there is what we call the untreated acre. 
the ground that doesn't get a prion at all. Now, as a farmer, I can I, I will just tell you, like Darren said earlier, our, our dad always used to talk about how, you know, he just sleep a lot easier at night because he's got the prion. But look, we're farming to try to make money. And on the farm, we know that weeds kill us. If we have weeds out there, we suffer the consequences all season long. And I know a lot of people will say, well, you don't lose much yield when the weed is only two to four inches tall. That's nonsense. Yes, you do. I don't know who's doing the, the research there, but you can visually see it in the plants. And if you don't believe that weeds hurt your yield, go look at the plants next to the weeds. Flag them, even if you pull that weed early in the year. I mean, literally pull it. So it's completely gone you're still going to see that the plants around it will not put as many seeds on and you will not have as much yield with those plants that are around the weed. That's, that's a fact. So I'm just trying to say here, if you want maximum yield, and you, if you really truly look at the, the universities who are doing good research on pre's, you'll see every time the pre wins on yield. Every time. It's amazing. And you don't need many more bushels to justify a $2.50 or $4 treatment of Prepare or a $9 treatment of Sharpen or, you know, whatever you're going to spend on Zidua or Anthem Flex. You don't need many more bushels. And in some cases, it may save you a post-emerge trip or allow you to delay your post-emerge trip for a little later. So there are a lot of advantages here. I would really encourage you, definitely take your weediest fields and put a pre on. And even on the other fields, at least try some. Just try some, and you'll see what I'm talking about. All right, let's jump back to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, Brian, got a question here that came in from Terry, and he sent a soil test in. Now, only one soil test, so I'm not sure how big this field is. This is from Terry in northwest Ohio. He said, enjoy listening to your show. I'm renting an alfalfa field for the length of the life of the alfalfa. And the agreement is to replace nutrients based off of crop removal. The nutrients that I have under contract are P, K, zinc, and manganese. Those are the ones they want replaced. Now, being that this agreement is relatively short term, we, we plan on spreading dry fertilizer right after the first cuttings removal and an estimated removal for second and third, then to make the make up the balance after the fourth, if the fourth happens. I have sent a lot of soil test and a tissue test from that field from last year, and I'm willing to spend a little extra money if there's a nutrient that you see could be a big yield limiter in this contract. Well, here, here's here's the problem. I, 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 we, I, I got several issues. When you have a perennial crop, if at all possible, try to make the deal with the landlord before the perennial crop gets seeded. And here's why you want to do that. Because you have some phosphorus out there. I'm not saying it's bad. It's 94 pounds. I would not call that great, though, because a... So Darren just put down 10 tons of alfalfa dry matter. Let's just say, for example, during the life of your stand, you took off 10 tons of dry matter. That's not 10 tons of alfalfa. That's 10, 10 tons of dried down dry matter. But the point is, it's 120 pounds of phosphate. It's 120 pounds. So you're going to take most of that phosphorus that's in the soil out, or at least half of it out. Oh, and by the way, it's phosphorus pounds you have to multiply phosphorus times 2.3 to convert over to phosphate. Okay, so you're talking around 200 pounds of phosphate that would be out in that soil uh, right now. 
But anyway, that that's one of my big concerns. And it's the same kind of deal with potassium, but this is a 17 CEC soil. So the potassium could leach down and it could get in the root zone okay to get at least some of it back into the plant. But there too, if you can put the P, the K, you know, any any micros that don't don't move in the soil, like let's say zinc or copper, if you could get them down into the ground before you seed the alfalfa, you're great. Here's the other thing. Let's step aside, forget about the nutrients for a second. Let's look at pH. Your pH is 5.9. You probably are missing out on 50% of your alfalfa yield at a minimum, and there are a lot of studies that will show it'll be 90% gone. Get that pH up now. So use some pelletized lime. I'd get that out there immediately the first day I possibly can. That'll help your yield more than anything. Well, stay tuned. We'll answer more questions right after this. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice, with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. 
Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio talking pre-emerge weed herbicides today. But uh, now we are getting to questions. We've gotten so many questions that have come in. If you've got a question for us, just email us radio at agphd.com. Or you can give us a call here, 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, this one comes from Adam in northwest Wisconsin. He said, our local co-op put on a winter meeting, and they're promoting us using a humic acid product to stabilize nitrogen along with other claimed benefits. This one they would want to blend with our urea. We've got sandier soils with a CEC of between 6 and 9 and organic matter of 1.5 to 2.2%. I typically put on a third of my nitrogen pre-plant and two-thirds at V5. What's your opinion on humic products in this situation? Well, first of all, one of the biggest problems with the humic products is there isn't some standard thing out there from the government and in terms of regulatory. Here, here's what I mean by that. So with glyphosate, for example, on the label, they have to put out there how much active ingredient is there. There are all kinds of studies done to prove that, oh, the active ingredient from whatever, Corteva is fine compared to bears, compared to Syngentas or whoever's. And Anyway, they put on what the percentage is, how many pounds of active there are per gallon. Well, what do we know about humic? Other than we look at the color, <laughs> what, what do we really know about some of those products? So we do question the effectiveness of, let's, let's just say, a new humic product. Or if you've never used it before, how do you know that it's going to work? We do talk a little bit. There are some people that will talk a little bit about how, oh, humic might help you stabilize some of your nitrogen. Is that possible? It's possible. And I get it. In a 6 to 9 CEC, you're probably looking for anything that could help you. I mean, you got low organic matter, light soil. It's tough. So, I mean, I understand the logic of putting a third of your nitrogen out pre and then coming with the rest later on makes complete sense to me. But to think that humic is... For sure, a good investment. I don't know that I can say that. We literally just had this discussion on Friday for our own farm on 2,000 acres of corn, and our research guys all voted no. <laughs> so I'm not saying don't do it because in we have heavier ground than you, so that could make the difference. And I, I, I would say this, it's worth trying some. Okay, If you haven't used it before, it's worth trying some. If I was going to do it, I would probably either leave strips or do half fields or something like that and give it a shot, but I can't tell you for sure that it's going to pay. We have seen it pay in some cases, but I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not super excited about it. Let's put it that way. There are a lot of other things that you can spend your money on that are proven, and I would do that before I try something before I use something unproven on lots of acres. But do try some. And maybe it'll work out for you. Let us know. All right. Thanks for that. I got this from Lars up in Prince Edward Island in Canada. He said, I want to ask you guys some strip-till questions. Our plan is to strip-till dry fertilizer just before planting in the spring. We mainly use this for fertilizing soybeans and field peas. They're planted on 15-inch rows. 
We use a tillage shank on a strip till bar with fertilizer hoses attached to bring the fertilizer down into the root zone. Wondering how deep should we put the fertilizer on? Six to eight inches? They got several questions. So first is uh, depth of fertility placement. Yeah, you're probably not going to want to do that in the spring. By the time the ground is fit down six to eight inches, you probably should have planted earlier. So generally speaking, if you want to go deep, that's fall. If you are going to do your work in the spring, right before planting, you need to go shallow. You're going to be similar to what the the depth of the crop is going to be. Maybe just a little bit lower would be great. All right. Yeah, he said, considering our 15-inch rows, what width should we place the shanks and the fertility? Well, he said strip till. Well, what strip till means is you're going to till in where you're going to plant. If you're 15 in rows, then you have to set it up for 15. Well, that's his next oh, question. Right, because do I don't we, know how you do that. Should we try that? to plant right on top of the fertility bands, yes. or should we put them in between our rows? Well, look, now we're not talking strip till anymore. Now we're just talking fertilizer placement. And where is fertilizer best for every crop? It's best below the seed and relatively near to where that seed is because the roots are going to have a better chance to find it. You know, if we're talking about fertilizing for the future on ground we own, I don't care if you want to run it in between. And then you could go a little bit deeper if you wanted to. I just, I still wouldn't get real carried away because I worry about overall soil disturbance and what's your seed bed going to be like afterwards. So, I mean, typically strip till, we talk 30 inches. You need the space for residue to move in between. All right. And then you said in... Is a strip-till bar with shanks sufficient to do what we're doing, or should we use coulters to slice through any trash? And you need should coulters. we use row clearers in front of the tillage shanks that have the fertilizer hoses attached? Well, it depends on how much residue we're talking about. But, yeah, a lot of strip-till machines are set up, so you're moving some trash out of the way. You're doing some tillage in there. Um, you are closing the row back up, and you're making a nice seed bed. That, to me, is strip-till. I mean, fertilizer placement, you can just go out there with a, with, uh, with a big coulter and put some fertilizer down. I mean, that, that part is not that tough. The purpose of all the rest of this stuff is to have a nice seed bed when you get done that, generally speaking, is raised slightly from the untilled soil. But if you're going to try to go every 15 inches, basically everything's going to end up getting tilled up. So now you're, I, I don't look at that as strip till. I look at that as, I'd call it minimum tillage. You are not in a strip till program. You are in a minimum tillage program. And if you wanted to put something down deeper, um, I just still say er, you got to be earlier. If you're going to do it right before planting, you're just, you're going to have air pockets. You're going to have problems. So I, I, I worry about that. I just I worry about most everything that, that was suggested in this whole email. I'm sorry, but I, I, I mean to me, strip till is 30 inches. You're going to till that strip. There, there's going to be roughly 20 inches of space in between the rows that's untilled. So you've got the best of both worlds from conventional till and no till. And then you're going to plant right over where you did your strip till. You've got to use coulters if you're going in the spring. In my opinion, you got to run relatively shallow. I'm going to call it four inches deep. You plant it two, or I guess with beans and peas, you're going to plant it one. So you could probably strip till at three inches deep. 
I mean, usually we're talking corn for strip till, but anyway, it'll work fine for peas and soybeans. We do a lot of strip till for soybeans. In fact, almost all the beans, I think maybe even all the beans we'll have on our farm this year will be where we did strip till last fall with our soil warrior machine. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, get this question in. I'm a home gardener and I want to build organic matter levels in my very sandy soil to try to, to make my soil better. But I'm asking about cover crops. If you plant a cover crop, do you simply cut them down and plant over that or would you till them into the ground? Yeah, there are there are many ways to do it. You could cut with, it with the plant. idea of building you, organic matter. Right. If you're oh, okay. Well, if 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 the purpose is to build organic matter, then you've got two choices. You either spray it and kill it or you mow it off. But you do not touch those roots. You don't touch the roots. Roots, that's where organic matter gets built from. Yeah. So now, if you're if you're in a situation where it's not a very big garden, you could certainly work other material into the soil if you right. want to to add more to the equation, more than what would just grow right. there in a year to speed this process sure. up. Sure, like yeah, manure say, or compost too. When we say organic matter, that's a little different than organic material. So it's not just well, I have some stalks from the previous grass or whatever grew there that are down in the soil. No, it's decomposed stalks and decomposed plant and animal materials that are in the soil. So there's a lot of different ways you can go if you want to speed that process up. But if you just want to do it by growing a cover crop, yeah, if you could do it without tilling that in, that would be your best bet. Right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag here, taking your calls and agronomic questions. When we come back from this short break, we've got a question from Reed about overlaying yield data with soil test data. It's something we've been talking about quite a bit this winter. We'll get to that right after this. Stay tuned. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker-treated nitrogen. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. 
That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It takes a team to beat resistant weeds. Experts agree using multiple herbicides with alternate modes of action increases your chances of beating resistant weeds. Tough 5EC is a selective, contact herbicide for post-emergence control of broadleaf weeds, especially herbicide-resistant strains. Tough 5EC is a perfect teammate, having a synergistic effect with HPVD inhibitors and enhances products in the PS2 group. Make Tough 5EC part of your winning team. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farm your way. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. That means if you have an agronomic question or you want to talk about something going on on your farm or your plans for this upcoming year, we'd love to hear from you. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got this one from Reed, and he said, I was paying attention to your show, and you talked about soil tests overlaid with yield data. That really piqued my interest something I'd like to do on our farm. We've got our soil test data in SMS, but not sure what steps we have to take to overlay that data. Just wondering how you guys are doing it. Well, how we have done it has been kind of complicated. I, I would say, Darren, we should probably get his information and have one of our guys get back to him who's actually doing this stuff. I know Rob, Rob Fritz, who's occasionally on our radio show with us, he wrote something the other day just to make it very, very quick. And it's been taking us a full day to do stuff from over, let's call it 2,000, 2,500 acres out of our farm. We've soil tested every year, one acre grids. So where we manually did this and put the two things together and then had to hover over each data point from each, I should say each grid point, trying to find the nearest yield point to that. But we got a better better way to do it now. So we better just have somebody get in touch with him. But yes, it is unbelievably powerful data. Now, the one thing that I, I want for everybody who's listening to this, where you say, ooh, that is a good idea. Let's, in fact, it's the best idea I've ever heard to match up yield data with soil test data. Well, of course it is fantastic. But you got to think about, all right, when do you pull your soil tests after the season? So that's after crop removal. And you want to pull your soil tests before you obviously put next year's fertilizer out there. So you're starting from a base. But the reason why I bring that up is because you now have to figure back, well, how much did the crop take off? Okay. So, for example, we do have some leachable nutrients that we're going to measure and look at as well. Everything from nitrate to sulfate, boron, for example. So... Just kind of keep that in mind. You're you're never going to have perfect information, but this is really good stuff. So like on our farm, it's shown us, hey, we have to get more potassium out there. We get our base saturation K levels up, and that really helps yield. If we get 
our phosphorus to zinc ratios about right, we have better yield. So in other words, it wasn't phosphorus by itself. It wasn't zinc by itself. It was the ratio of the phosphorus to zinc. And same thing with phosphorus to copper. So some of those things and the ratios turned out to be more important than the individual nutrients. And it's kind of what we go back to all the time. It's about having a good balance of overall nutrients in your soil. Right. Thanks for the question, Reed. Really appreciate that. Get this from Ross up in southwest Wisconsin. He said, guys, we're going to do some spring strip till with the soil warrior. And here's a few things that we got going on. We're doing the strips 10 inches wide, four inches deep. And we want to put on 100 pounds of AMS, ammonium sulfate, 125 pounds of DAP, 175 pounds of potash, two pounds of zinc sulfate, and two pounds of elemental sulfur, 90%. Are you concerned about the salt load in this strip, and should we adjust rates? That's the first question. Do you think that's you, too much? Did you rate? say two pounds of elemental sulfur? I was trying to yep, write all that down. two pounds of elemental sulfur. Oh, well, that's not much. And when we're talking two pounds of material for elemental sulfur and zinc yep. sulfate, right? Yep. yep. Looks that way. Um, yeah, so we're four inches deep. Am I worried about that? Let's and see. ten inches wide. I'm assuming those strips are every 30 yeah, inches. Yeah, so I, I don't know exactly how he's placing the fertilizer. I assume, though, he's placing Strip the fertilizer in the warrior. row. Yep, and then planting I, in those rows. I I get all that, but that still doesn't tell me exactly how we're doing it because you could set your, your soil warrior machine up differently. Um, so anyway, um, 10 inches wide, 4 inches deep. You're going to plant your corn at 2 inches. Okay, so... Uh, as long as we're running coulters, which I assume yep, we're coulters. talking about here, we, we're good that way. But nevertheless, I would like to see that ground sit for at least a few days before you plant it. I would not like to do this and then literally plant the same day. You can, you can, but you got to make sure if you're going to do that, now you've kind of packed it better in the back and tried to push some of those air pockets out. You, you can make it work, but you then have to do a, an even better job closing that thing up. Okay, so am I worried about 100 pounds of AMS, 125 pounds of DAP, 175 pounds of potash? The answer is no, no, no. Zinc, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried, and elemental sulfur, I'm not worried. So none of those five things, personally, I would be worried about if I put them out there. But when you say, um, hey, wait a second here. You're telling me that you're going to put 404 pounds of fertilizer two inches below the seed, potentially a couple days right before planting? That, to me, sounds like a fair amount. And that's why I'm questioning. Done it, they've done it before. Well, of they've course. gotten plentiful rains <laughs> right. most of the time. Yeah, and, and every, everybody before their failure always says, well, I've always done it well, that exactly way. Well, exactly right. It's going to work every time until the first time it doesn't. That's right. So the question he had was, all right, if I need to adjust rates down, what would you take out? Would you take out the AMS and do your nitrogen at a broadcast instead and just run the DAP and the potash? Yep. Or, or would yep. you cut back on something else? Yep. That's the first thing I take out because the ammonium sulfate will, will leach down. That'll move with soil water. You do not need to, to ban that. So that's the first thing that I would take out. Um, in terms of your DAP and your potash, would I consider cutting those rates back applied this late? Yes, I would consider cutting both of those back. 
I'm not so worried about the zinc and elemental sulfur just because you have so little there. So that doesn't concern me as much as the dap and the potash. And this is probably going to be fine. I'm, I, I can't say that I'm super worried about it, but let's put it this way. We used, let's see, uh, their, their Ninja machine, and we're putting fertilizer not in the row, but on each side of the row. I don't remember what we ran for depth. Let's call it four inches deep, though. Let's just say, for example, I was running four inches deep, and I was running a couple inches on either side of the row. So now, in effect, I'm at a two-by-two. And I've split the fertilizer. Would I be more interested in that? You bet. If I'm going to put all this in one spot, I'd, I, I'd, I'd be a little concerned. I, I can't say I'm going to be crazy concerned, but I'd be a little concerned. In the future, if you want to do this exact mix in the fall, no problem. It'll work great. Do it in the fall. But when you're going to be in the spring right before planting, that's where my fear comes in. All right. This other question is, uh, our local co-op has a product that's supposed to be a phosphorus and potassium uh, protector so they don't get tied up in the soil. It's okay. $7 an acre, though. Because of that cost, I took it out of our fall mix. Do you think there's a value worth $7 for a tie-up of PNK? Is it possible? Yes. We have we have shown that on our farm. Because I am a not with huge, that particular product right, that no, you're mentioning no, here, no, but no, but I am a huge skeptic of all those things that aren't fertilizer. I'm not saying they don't work. I'm just saying try them on a small scale and prove it before you go spending the money and everything. All right, thanks for that question. We appreciate that. Uh, get this one from John. He said another strip tail question for you guys. Uh, we noticed that our nutrient levels in our top five inches are twice as much as in the 5 to 10-inch deep profile. Uh, and <laughs> I'm surprised been, it's, it's that little. Anyway, go we, ahead. We've been building our K. We're up to 5.3% base saturation. We'd Good. like to continue building that a little bit more. Our phosphorus level is around 40 parts per million. Okay. And I'm feeling like my macronutrients are at a good spot, so I want to start building up the micros and trying mm -hmm. to get zinc levels uh, up from the current 2 parts per million. What good I'm plan. thinking about doing is surface applying zinc sulfate, then I want a moldboard plow to a depth of nine inches, okay. thus taking care of the stratification yep. and also getting a bunch more zinc out there. The top nine inches of soil get flipped and mixed. Uh, after all this is done, I want to get back to strip tilling to manage fertility and soil health. What do you think about my plan? I think it's a fantastic plan. That's what I've been suggesting to Darren here. We've been debating this. And I'm not saying we go moldboard plow everything every year, but I am saying once every 20 years, I would like to moldboard plow. I think we're going to see a benefit, and and let's put it this way. What's going to really tell the tale for you is if you leave some where you don't plow. Leave a couple of strips in a field, for example, where you don't plow, and then let's see what the yield difference is there. And and then you can kind of track it maybe even over, let's say, the next two, three, four, there five years like and see how it all pans out. But, yes, I think it's a fantastic idea. All right. Thanks for, for the question. Thanks for the thoughts, too. It's kind of nice to hear what some of the background is behind this rather than just saying, what do you think about plowing? Uh, but understanding what that whole situation is uh, as far as, hey, I've got a nutrient stratification thing in my mind that I want to fix uh, and, and just going through all the thought process. Thanks for that uh, question and comment there, John. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.